0: Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, your host, and I am super excited because today I have three wonderful guests to share with you as we focus on the importance of pet health in honor of International Pet Day coming up on in April. So I am welcoming today Dawn and Joanne and Kate to the show. Welcome, ladies. I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm just going to do a little brief introduction of each of you and then have you share your stories as to how you came into this work supporting pets. So Dawn was born in Connecticut, but lives in Ohio today. She is a multi-passionate entrepreneur and holds certifications in clinical hypnotherapy an animal communicator and energy medicine, as well as a master of teaching degree. She's also an international best-selling author with four titles out currently, which you can see behind her in her background there. And so, of course, today we're going to be talking to Dawn about her animal communicator, work. And Joanne is an educator, bestselling author and speaker. She is certified in canine massage therapy and healing. And she's also a healing energy practitioner and the owner of Feel So Good Canine Massage. Uh, she works with pet owners who are interested in taking a more proactive approach with their dogs uh, so they can live happier and healthier lives. And then Kate was born and raised in Illinois, is a veteran of law enforcement with a career in the Chicagoland area, and now making her home in Arizona, she's the owner of Balanced Paws Pet Spa. Kate is also certified through Science Dog on canine nutrition and teaches classes on pet foods. Outside of the grooming salon, Kate brought her passions together when she also founded Help, where she brings in past experience as a first responder and teaches emergency preparedness skills for people and pets, including pet CPR and first aid. So we humans love, love, love our pets. I have two cats. One of them is lying next to me snoring rather loudly. So if you hear weird sounds through my mic, it's because she is in bliss over here in dreamland snoring. Uh, And I love that you three ladies You know have expertise in helping us humans better care for our pets so i'd love i'm just going to go around my screen i would love to start off with you dawn if you can just tell us how did you get into this work of being an animal communicator
1: sure okay thank you melissa so back in 2015 i was living in colorado and taking a course called healing touch for animals So while I was there taking the class, one of my classmates and I were eating lunch, a group of us, and she was telling us stories about her animal communication adventures and the things that she would hear from wild animals, domestic animals in her work. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to find out how to do this. And so I got in touch with her instructor and I became a certified, you know, animal communicator. And then I realized how deeply the work actually goes. And it helped me heal my own grief. After my first dog is an adult. She was my baby before my son was born. We put her down what I thought was way too late. And I was afraid that she had suffered far more than any person, animal being should. She was just so sick and she was lying on the floor in the kitchen in my arms howling in pain. And that day just broke me. And the next day we brought her to be euthanized. And She had been sick her whole life and that was just the straw that broke the camel's back that one moment. And from that day forward, I carried guilt with me for years until I became an animal communicator. And then I realized it was possible to connect with her and tell her how sorry I was after she had transitioned off the planet, um, how sorry I was and to beg her forgiveness for letting her suffer so long. And it was incredibly healing for me to hear from her and hear that there was actually nothing to forgive. And that my husband at the time and I only did the best we could with what we had at the time. And that really was the big moment for me where I realized the depth and magnitude of what animal communicators can do for people and ourselves. I love that. And I was just thinking
0: as you were sharing that story that, uh, I'm will I was willing to bet that the response was there was nothing to forgive. And it's amazing how we do carry that guilt because we don't have that ability to communicate, communicate. And so what a wonderful gift that you have to give to others to be able to help them communicate with their pets and that you've also experienced for yourself. And I know you've also worked with a friend of mine that I referred to you soon after we met and I know she had a fabulous experience with you and we can talk about that in a little bit but yes this work that you do is incredibly healing for pet owners and you know after the pet has passed or just at any stage of their journey with their pet when they when they're looking to seek to understand so I love that thank you Dawn thank you I'd love to ask you to unmute and share how you got into your work. And that feels so good. When I read that out, I was like, it already feels good to me just saying it. So what a brilliant name.
2: (laughs) Oh, thanks so much, Melissa. Um, I grew up having dogs in my life throughout my childhood. and But it wasn't until my husband, John, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and he had read an article that labs or Golden Retrievers were good for people with disabilities. So you probably, your, re, your listeners are probably already guessing what happened after that comment. And so we were adopted at that point by a nine and a half week old Golden Retriever named Duke. And after my husband passed, Duke was everything to me because being an only child, not being able to have any children of my own, he was everything. He would make me laugh when I'd come home from work. He would be by me constantly. And so as Duke got older, he started having aches and pains. And so I wanted to do something for him because his love was so unconditional. And those that, of, of us that have pets will know that we can't give back to them everything they've given to us because they give us so much to go through our life. So Duke was my heart dog. And I looked at different modalities on the website and found that canine massage was a good fit for me. And so I became a canine massage therapist, but I had to laugh because after Duke passed, the first year, all my clients were golden retrievers so i had to kind of get a message to him saying you need to give me other dogs to work with so that's the story of how i got started well i love that
0: story and uh and i can see dawn laughing too because she could have literally communicated that message for yeah. you although sounds like you we'll did a pretty good job. <laughs> sounds like you did a pretty good job yourself however We used to have a golden retriever named Sparky. It was my brother's dog. I had a little Shih Tzu named Floppy because Floppy, when I got him, was so little he couldn't walk down the stairs properly and his legs would flop out everywhere. Anyway, Sparky had to have double hip surgery, not at the same time we did one and then the other, which I understand is really common with golden retrievers. And so that might have also been why many of your... Um, clients were golden retrievers because Duke was trying to help all of his friends be able to walk better and get, be not in, be in pain anymore. Right. So exactly.
2: Exactly. That's,
0: that's a great story. love how you got started and we're also in a book together and I read your chapter and I do remember um, somebody had asked you, well, isn't pet massage the same as stroking the pet? And I just love a quick reply on that for you. Cause there might be listeners wondering the same thing
2: um it really isn't but i have to give the dog owners kudos because they are paying attention to their dogs but we do it with a more intentional focus on them where it's quiet and we can check for things that maybe the pet owners aren't really looking for so we kind of help them and give them some advice on that
0: wonderful thank you and Kate, I would love to ask you to unmute, and I love how you've brought you know your passion from your past career into your passion for animals and you're bringing it all together here from grooming to you know help emergency training for people, which I've had pets my entire life, and honestly, until I met you, I never even thought that they're about cPR for pets or that it was even a thing, so please share how you uh
3: got involved in all of this um so I was kind of burnt out from working for 20 years in the emergency side of things and um, life brought me into arizona and at that point i was like well what am i going to do and that's when i decided you know what pets have always been a huge part of my life so i'll get into the pet side of things and um, started grooming and started my own grooming shop and um, during that time period, it was one of my dogs that started choking and I picked her up. And in that moment, my brain and my body weren't communicating because my brain's asking how am I supposed to do a Heimlich on a five pound dog? And my body had already started going into reaction and whatever it was that my body did at that point in time, it was enough that it pushed out the object and she started turning pink and, and breathing again. Um, And so as a former first responder, that, that feeling of helplessness just didn't sit well with me. And I sat back after, you know, the adrenaline came down and had my coffee and I thought, oh my gosh, I I almost just lost my dog. I literally almost just lost my dog and I just didn't like that. So I sought out, um, some training. And once I took that training, I realized I need to go out there and I need to start teaching this because most people don't know that this exists. And unfortunately, I was a pet, you know, owner, pet parent for over 40 years before it happened to me. So it's not a matter of that. It's never going to happen because I hear people a lot say, well, you know, I've never had to to worry about that. Well, I hope that you don't, but all it takes is that one time and that one time, those couple of seconds, couple of minutes are, are going to be life or death for them. So um, that's when I decided, you know what, I really want to get out there and start spreading this message because I think a lot of people don't think about that. And I don't, ever want anybody to feel the way that I did in that moment, especially when we don't have to. So to me, it's giving you the power of the information to be able to do something when those seconds count.
0: I love that. And you're absolutely correct. It's when those second counts, right? And I can, I can feel your panic of when that happened to you, right? And then realizing yeah. afterwards as the adrenaline came down, wow, I almost lost my dog. And you have all of those years uh, as a first respondent which the average person doesn't even have, right? So I love that you're helping share this and get this message out. Um, and you and I are also in the same book. It's called The, uh, the Entrepreneur's Toolkit for Success. And uh, if anybody wants to get the book, I'll put that information in the show notes too. And fascinating that two of the chapters in that book are about supporting our animals, right? Because as entrepreneurs, we want to be building our business, but we also need care for our animals. So I love that you guys are both in this chapter and that's how we met. And, um, in that chapter, you had also mentioned that, um, you know, people, they simply, they don't know this. And I think you mentioned a couple of other emergency times where you needed to use your own skills on other people's dogs, I think in your grooming suite too. Right.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a, a it was an older geriatric dog that had heart problems so they were on heart medicine and the owner didn't realize not to give it anxiety medicine on top of that. Um so when she was on my table it I mean everything seemed like it was going okay and then all of a sudden she was just she went down and she was gone. So I had to do CPR on her at that point and i was able to to bring her back um but you know what i try and tell the pet professionals because i think a lot of people don't realize that in the pet industry as a pet professional whether it be a groomer daycare boarding whatever the case may be at least uh in the united states it's not a requirement It's not a requirement to have emergency training. And so because of the fact that I knew what to do, that dog was able to go home that day versus the dog goes down on my table. I now have to register what's happening. I now have to grab the dog, grab the keys, tell the other employees what's going on and get her to the vet to walk in. And at that point, try and stir their attention to get them to now start paying attention to this dog to get things rolling. Um, That's too much time that's too too much time time. that's being wasted. So there's this false sense of security. Oh, I'm just going to take them to the vet. Well, if it was that easy, then why don't we just take ourselves to the doctor when something happens? Why do we have a whole network of emergency response when it comes time, you know, for us to have that type of emergency? So I think we just have to kind of start associating our pets with the same type of needs that we have. They're not um, you know, this, you know, alien being that lives with us and they're okay when when in times of emergency and yet we're not. <laughs> so we just have to, I think I think the thing is like we just love them so much and they're just part of our lives that we forget that, you know, they have needs too.
0: Absolutely. And as Joanne said, that we can't begin to give back what they've given to us. But this is one way that we can, you know, take steps in the right direction. And I was going to say the same thing as you, is they're they're like humans in so many ways. You have to be careful with the drugs that you're giving them and make sure that there aren't contraindications. And we need to be doing that as humans. So I'm always directing my clients to make sure before they start any protocol with me, even though it's plant-based, to be checking with at least the pharmacist to make sure that there isn't any contraindication if they're on other medications. And we have to do that for our pets as well so yeah well I I love 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 what you're doing so um I'd love to just go around the room and ask each of you some some questions to go deeper into into your work and I'm going to go back to you Dawn um I know you shared how you got started but just if you can give us a little bit more as to why you became an animal communicator and
1: how um animals have impacted your life Oh, wow. Where do I begin? Um, I've always been um, an animal companions person. So I've always had dogs or gerbils (laughs) or fish in my life. So they've always been huge in my life. But also, I've had a connection with wild animals as well, particularly dolphins. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's there's and horses. Um, I have had energy medicine work when I was working on horses and then received healing myself from the horses that just blew me away. And so I think that we, part of the reason that I do the work I do is so that exactly what Kate was saying so that we can see, and experience the animals in our lives, whether they're our domestic, you know, companions or they're animals out in the wild in nature. We can see them as sentient beings who have thoughts, feelings, needs, desires, um, and so that we can live in better harmony with them and have a better, better experience while we're all walking the planet together. So I love
0: yeah. that. That's really beautiful. And, you know, they, they really you know, they are sentient beings, they do have feelings, emotions, and they also pick up on our energies as well. And so you doing energy healing on the horse and the horse healing you is really powerful. And one thing that I find amusing with my cats is that, uh, well, first of all, anytime anybody walks into the kitchen, they think it's food time. So it doesn't matter if I just walked into the kitchen half an hour ago and then my husband comes in now Ooh, it's someone different. They might not know what we've been fed. So let's just circle around their feet, and do the figure eight, see if we can get some more food. Right. So we actually have a little chart that we have to write down so that we can keep track as to who fed them when. And uh, and then the other thing that I find really amusing is I love to do uh Yoga and I have a Lululemon studio mirror in our living room in the corner and I'll do workouts and sometimes it's yoga and sometimes I'll do it and I'll put my earbuds in, my AirPods in, right? So I'm not making any noise whatsoever. But they sense the energy and in they come to lie on the mat with me <laughs> completely in the way <laughs> or I'll get into a pose for three minutes and one of them will get all luck up and I'm like, but I have to move now. so they do they get drawn to the energy and love to come and connect with us so i find it very amusing If you're enjoying my content and someone that wants to step into being proactive in your health and learning more, I would love to invite you to join my membership community. There's a link in the show notes for only $19.99 a month. You get access to all of my content. And there's a lot as well as weekly calls that you can come and get your health questions answered. It's truly priceless. I'd love to see you join the community. Check out the link in the show notes. Joanne just if you can explain more about um the physical and emotional benefits of canine massage
2: okay there are so many different remedies for canine massage and we were i want to say at this point that canine massage therapists do not diagnose so if you feel that your pet is not feeling well or there's something because you know your pet better than anyone you really need to go to your vet to get a proper diagnosis. We try to work with um, vets, both in holistic side and the Western side as a team, because we feel that nutrition is very important. Canine massage is very important. Uh, Some of the benefits are it aids digestion, it lowers, Uh, blood pressure. And I kind of wanted to wonder about that because I've never seen a cat or a dog in a vet's office being checked for blood pressure. And I found out it's because they're so hyper and nervous when they're in there, it would give a false reading. So um, it also helps. It's also good after surgeries. It also helps um, the scar tissue where it becomes smaller and we can do that You can also do canine massage the day before surgery. So it helps the dog relax a little bit. It helps your dog with range of motion. It also is very good for agility dogs because I'm sure if some of you are joggers or walkers, you know how important it is to warm up before you walk and to cool down when you get back. There's just a myriad. Emotion-wise, dogs, when they're born, have no contact with humans in terms of trust building. So it takes a while to build that trust. And people think that we just work with older dogs, but that's not the case. We work all the way from puppies, all the way to senior dogs, because you wanna give that dog touch. You wanna associate them. There's a crucial period in their lives um, called the socialization period, and they should be exposed to men, women, children, other dogs, so that when they're five or six years old, you can pretty much tell which dogs have been socialized at an earlier age. I've worked with a lot of dogs that are um, reactive to other dogs. My opinion is that they were never socialized at that age that they were at. So um, it also helps the owners get a good night's sleep because if your dog's happy and sleepy, so are you. So I'll just leave it there. There's just a hundreds of different emotional and um physical benefits you can't i can't say enough about it
0: and i remember reading in the chapter in the book that somebody brought their dog to you and that dog um hadn't had a lot of time with humans and so it wasn't very trusting and so i think you said that it was over four different sessions that you uh-huh. had just, the first time you didn't even pay any attention to the dog And then the second time, maybe you paid, right? So you had to take these four sessions to build up enough trust from the dog so that you could work with the dog. So, you know, people need to know, A, that's possible. And that B, your work doesn't necessarily all happen in just one session.
2: Right. And it all depends on what the dog's um, discomfort is. Mm -hmm. And it may take a while. I mean, we, unfortunately, we can't help every dog. And that's why it's so important for me to get out to people and to educate them and share what i know so that they can make better decisions when it affects their dogs
0: i love that and is there like an organization of canine massage therapists because obviously you can't do massage therapy over zoom i wish you could but we're
2: not there yet your hands can't come through the screen and massage Absolutely. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I have to tell you, it, that's funny because I do online pet oh, parenting do? classes. Yes. So it's nice for the parents because they have their dog right there. So I can see what they're doing as I'm explaining it to them. So it, I can go global, which has been great. Thanks I love that. Zoom.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I love that.
0: So you're teaching the pet owner how to massage their dog over Zoom and yeah. then... For people that are in your vicinity, you can, they can bring their dog to you and you'll yes. do the massage work.
2: Well, actually I do mobiles oh, because okay. I feel that the dogs are more comfortable in their own environment. Right. And so a lot of the times that um, I will do go to their homes because it's worked out much better that way. Right.
0: And that makes sense. So then their stress level is down and it's just easier for them to relax and calm and allow you to do the work. I yeah. love that. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, Kate, my question for you is, is CPR the same for all pets or is it totally different? I mean, I'm thinking from your your tiny little tiny to, you know, a horse. That's a pretty big difference in size. So tell me about that.
3: Um, There are some differences. I mean, obviously, there's some similarities, but there's going to be differences as far as where your hand placement is going to go. It is. That's why I like bringing my dogs as far as uh, when I set up as a a vendor or even in my classes. So I'll bring Tiny Tim, who is three and a half pounds. And then I've got my Dalmatian, who's 55. So am I going to do CPR differently on Tiny versus on on Bishop? Yeah. And that's where I think people need to realize that there are going to be differences because a lot of times I'll hear, well, you know, I know human CPR, so I'm sure I can figure it out. But and I'm sure you, maybe you can too, you know, in that instance, maybe you can figure it out. And if it works, great. I'm never going to say that, you know, that's the wrong thing. But, you know, when it comes to people, we've got one torso. You know, I've got mannequins when I teach the human CPR first aid, and it's basically one mannequin that I, that I bring and we practice from, you know, kids to, to adults on that one mannequin, you know, we've got infants, which is a little bit different, Different. but
0: I've seen the infant mannequins and practice with just using my fingers and then the full body size where you're, you know, using the full force of both hands and your shoulders, et cetera.
3: Right. And so, yet at the same time, it's like the, the hand placements are similar, right, because our heart is still going to be in the same place. It's just the amount of pressure and how you're going to do that is just a little bit different. Whereas with our dogs, um, I've got the small one, but then I've got the bigger one, and then you've got all the in-betweens. And some of the in-betweens I have, like your Frenchies, have a much broader chest and a much deeper chest. That hand placement is going to be different Um, our cats it's going to be a little bit different so there are definitely similarities but there are differences
0: and i know you had to use the heimlich maneuver with tiny tim is that also taught within this program as well because i would think that might be needed even more than cpr more frequently because of the chance of choking is even higher
3: yeah, so this program, basically, it covers the CPR first aid, but it also covers choking. It also covers bleeding um, bleeding first aid. It covers, basically, most of the emergencies that you're going to encounter, poisonings, um, you know, insect bug bites, and that type of thing. So it does cover more than just the CPR first aid. Um, choking, yes, but... I think what's funny is choking the technique that's more efficient than what we know is the Heimlich Mm -hmm. um, is not necessarily performed the same way on on dogs as it is with us. So, So again, it's really important to learn that yeah it sounds to me because i've done
0: multiple first aid courses in my life and i do not consider myself to be an expert but i do it so i can keep it up as a girl guide leader and i i do it every three years right unfortunately haven't really had to put much of it to the test however knowing what's in the program it sounds like you've really taken that human first aid program and completely adapted as much as you could that was relevant to pets so it sounds like a fabulous all-encompassing program and how many hours does it is the course that it that you teach
3: um I'm working on a different curriculum now the the main curriculum is if you do an all-day class it's about six hours mm-hmm. but in that six hours we go over everything and then as a former first responder I feel that it's really important to put it to the test right so it's one thing to sit here and learn it and you know i sound like snoopy's teacher all day (laughs) but then it's like okay at the end of the day let's take what you learned and let's let's put it to use so i usually would do scenarios at the end of my classes so that takes up some time too because we do the scenario and then after the scenario is over um we do a debrief what did we learn from that what what did you gain is what your strengths are and what are your weaknesses because um A lot of people don't realize that once that adrenaline kicks in, how their body physiologically reacts to that, if they've never had it been through that. And so it's learning how you're going to react with that, too. And one of the things that I like to point out is I want you to do that, like to have that experience in the classroom, Mm -hmm. because if it were to happen in real life, you're going to go right into that muscle memory. And hopefully that will help you take a deep breath and then start working with that tunnel vision so once that adrenaline kicks in you're going to see this much but if we can take a deep breath we might be able to see this much and be able to handle that just a little bit better
2: right
0: i love that and yeah so important to have those scenarios the debrief the learning for exactly that reason so wonderful i love it um dawn i want to come back to you and just uh, i mentioned earlier that you i had referred a friend of mine to you and um I would just love to have you share a little bit of that experience um, of what it was like from your perspective to help my friend be able to come to terms with her cat that was passing and how she was able to have that happen from a place of appreciation and gratitude rather than from a place of guilt and grief.
1: Sure. So, um, everybody needs to understand that this poor lady had just had her husband pass, uh, five months prior. So her best friend is gone. And now her favorite cat who mind you is less than two years old. Uh, he was not even barely, you know, he wasn't full grown yet. Even I think, and, uh, he had just stopped eating. He hadn't eaten in a week and she did not, she thought, He's passing, but there's that other part of her that was like, this can't be, he's too young. And so she wanted clarity on, you know, what was, what was happening, what he needed from her. And so when I tuned into him, I was able to learn that his path was to be her husband's companion and to see him through his death experience and have him have um, the husband accept support and help through that experience. And it was difficult for him to do that, but that was part of his mission. And the, the cat's mission was to support him in that. And then afterward, he just was Okay, I'm done. It's time for me to check out after I make sure you know she's okay. And so when it was clear that she was you know going to be okay at least physically, um, then the cat just you know said, "Okay, this is time for me now to to depart." And so once she understood that it wasn't anything she had done wrong, it wasn't her imagination because who wants to take a two year old you know cat to the vet to be euthanized? Um without feeling like a criminal. Um. And she understood that what she was doing was what he needed and what was necessary and it was part of her soul's evolution also she was able to say okay this is not a complete loss of everything that i know in my life right now that i have loved and has loved me back that has been ripped away from me Um, she was able to come from a place of okay this is the way that things are because it is the soul plan I'm part of this. We're all family, we will see each other again. And I am giving this cat the greatest gift that I can to relieve any pain or suffering, and to send him back to the place that we all come from. And I know that you were able to ask if uh, he was okay with
0: being euthanized, or did he want to die naturally? And mm-hmm. so that also gave her some clarity around that, so she didn't have to go to the vet feeling like a criminal. And uh, and so y- y- you helped both Izzy the cat and her through this so profoundly, to the point where I spoke to her a week later, and ch- you know I checked in with her the day of the day after, and then spoke to her a week later, and she goes, "I'm feeling freedom now because now I can go and do the things that I need to be doing, and I don't need to." stay home to look after this sick cat. And so it really was able to be a situation that could have been so sad and tragic and heartbreaking and just piling grief upon grief for her into a really positive experience. And yes, there were still tears, but it's, it was a very positive experience. And so I wanted to showcase that example for listeners to understand the depth of your work and how powerful it is for the human and for the pet. So I'm so glad we met. When when she, when she my friend reached out to me and asked if I could help her cat with my hypnotherapy, I said, no, but I know exactly who can. And I met her only this week in a breakout room. And now I know why I met her. It's because I needed to connect you too. So I love how the universe does that for all of us. Um, so thank you, Dawn. Joanne, is there... Um, Anything else that you would like to share with the listeners about about your work?
2: I think what's really important, and that was one of the reasons I went into canine massage, I kind of was doing it in, still am, in Duke's memory. But what I really want parents to be aware of is the fact that they really should look for any lumps or bumps that they don't, that they know that maybe weren't there, and that takes intentional focus and dogs are giving us messages all the time and you just have to be looking for them and like you said they do pick up on people's energy one fact which i just found out about last year was the fact that in canines the uh, osteoarthritis is a young dog's disease. It is not an old dog's. It mm-hmm. starts from a puppy, can go all the way up to seniors. So it's very important to start making sure that you're checking your dog on a regular basis. I prefer that they do it once a week. And it's just wonderful how you can say my heart breaks when I worked at animal shelters and the power of touch is just so important, not only for human babies, but for dogs as well. And when I saw what that can do, it makes my heart sing because of the fact that I was able to help a lot of the dogs in my career for the last 10 years. So I really love working with pet owners and helping them make, giving them the information so that they can decide what is really best for their dog.
0: I love that. Thank okay. you. And again, tying in that human element, you talk about the power of touch. My podcast episode that came out on March 11th was also talking about that topic in relation to humans. But oh, as really? we're learning, everything we relate to humans, we can also relate to our pets. So thank you.
2: And I have to watch Kate, that. I have to listen to that episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, Kate, is there anything else you would like to share with pet owners in regards to your work?
3: Uh, you know, one of the things that I always say is, don't be afraid. And I think that people associate emergencies with negative things all the time. So usually it's like, oh, I don't want, I don't even want to think about that. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to take that training because I don't even want to think about that. And I get that, but don't be afraid because it, it's it's going to be negative because you don't know what to do. It's going to be negative because you're going to freeze in that moment. You're going to have that helpless feeling in that moment. I say, you know, try to look at it and change the perspective a little bit. Change the perspective that if you know the information, it gives you that power of knowledge. It makes you actually empowered in that moment. And so instead of feeling helpless, now you, you, you can jump in and the adrenaline is still going to kick in. I mean, that's just part of being human. It's going to kick in. But now you're going to have an idea of what to do and at least know that you're giving your pet that chance when the time that they need you the most. And so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take a class because it has to deal with emergency knowledge take that, turn that and spin it and think I'm coming in here and I'm learning the power to know what to do.
0: I love that. And very, very good point. And again, applies in the health of our animals, but also applies in the health of ourselves, our humans, or in in so many aspects of our lives, right? When we have the knowledge, we can face the fear much more easily than if we're in a fearful situation and we don't even know where to begin. So Very, very good point. So I'd love to ask all of my guests, what does don't wait for your wake-up call mean to you? So I'm going to go around the
1: room again as we wrap up here, Dawn, and ask you. So for me, don't wait, you know, for your wake-up call as it pertains to animals is... Don't wait for there to be a point in time where you are so lost. And this is probably gonna be a lot of of what Kate is gonna say, that you are so lost in the emotion of the moment that you don't know what to do to help your animal and something happens as a result of that. Don't wait until they're lost in a storm to know how to communicate with them. Don't wait until their health is so bad, you don't know what you need to do and your vet bills are piling up know how to communicate with them or hire someone who does. I teach classes, which is why I'm saying know how to do that because I teach people how to do what I do. Don't wait until you don't have the tools to do what you need to do in that moment. Be prepared. I love that. Thank you. And Joanne?
2: Um, I totally agree with Dawn's analysis on that too. It's There's so many of us that say, well, I'll do something like tomorrow. And then five years later, they do that. I don't want people to do that. I want them to really educate themselves and to know about their their dogs. I know that people out there love their dogs and cats. And so the three of us on this call are here to help anyone. And it's just, do not wait, have no regrets.
0: I Love that. Thank you, Joanne and
3: Kate. Um. So one of the things that I've learned as being a former first responder, is life is too short life is too short and don't stop what you want to do because of fear like if if you want to try something go for it and yeah you know i know i teach emergencies to hopefully have a good outcome and so you can continue on but just overall not necessarily pet specific um life's too short enjoy it and take it and enjoy it with your pets as well. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, ladies.
0: This has been such a phenomenal show. And I just want to go around the room very quickly one more time, just so that you can all let the audience know how to get hold of you. So Dawn, I'll ask you to go first again.
1: Okay, so I have a website. It's www <laughs> always uh, donphoenix and that's the easiest way to find me. I'm also on Facebook under Don Phoenix Transformational Healer. I also have a YouTube channel called Don Phoenix, but the website is the number one way to go. Fabulous, and we will definitely put all of this into the show notes for
0: people as well. Joanne, how can people get hold of you?
2: Um, they can get a hold of me on Linktree slash J. Dykhausen. I know that's a hard one. It's J D Y K H U I Z E N. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn under Feel So Good, the letter K, the number nine, massage.com. And that would be the best way to reach me. My um, email is J D Y K H U I Z E N. 2005 at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And Kate.
3: So I have a link tree as well. Um, so link tree slash help lifeline preparedness. Um, my website is probably the best way to get a hold of me, which is www.helplifelinepreparedness.com. Uh, and my email is help period lifeline preparedness at gmail.com. So those will probably be the fastest ways to get in touch with me just because um, of my grooming schedule on top of my training schedule. Usually if it's in writing, I'm going to see it. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you
0: again, ladies, for coming and making this a super fun podcast, sharing all of your wealth of knowledge around pet health. I learned a lot today. And like I said, I've been a pet owner my whole life. And honestly, until I met Dawn, I hadn't ever even heard of an animal communicator. I didn't know there was such a thing as first aid for pets, or even canine massage. So I've learned a lot. And I hope my audience has to to my audience. Thank you for always tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, rage it, write a review and share it with others who would like to also take be able to take better care of their pets.